In herbal cures, we have a number of cures which were common knowledge. Most people knew of them, knew the herbs, and if they wanted to use them, they would just go out in the field or the woods and uh, collect the herbs and use them. But um, a number of uh, remedies were held by a number of families. Certain family would have a cure and it would be passed down. And it's very difficult to get information on these because the people usually won't disclose the names of the herbs used. They will uh, make an ointment for you if you visit them and they won't accept any fee at all. It was believed if you accepted a fee that uh, the cure you would lose the power of the cure. In those once-on-a-time days of the 1780s and 90s, the herbs of the medical old women were sometimes successfully resorted to, whether accidental or actual preventatives or antidotes, it's not easy to determine. The class of old women called Kylox were held in the highest estimation as understanding the cure, that is, if God pleased, of all disorders. Their materia medica did not consist of gums, resins, minerals and hot iron, as the farriers did, but of leaves of bushes, bark of trees, weeds from churchyards and mushrooms from fairy grounds, rue, garlic, rosemary, birds' nests, foxglove, etc. In desperate cases, they sometimes found it advisable to put a charm into the bolus or stoop, and then it was sure to be firm and good. I never could find out what either of those charms were. They said they should die themselves if they disclosed them to anybody. Ah, well, I want no crack over the radio. No, <laughs> no I want no... To tell you us. have a cure for warts, isn't that right? I haven't, no, I gave it no. away long ago. <laughs> no, fine, I gave it away long ago. <laughs> who did you give it to? Oh, it doesn't matter who I give it to. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how I make the cure for the warts. They have a large part to play in the folklore. They are found uh, over and over again in uh, divination purposes for marriage. Put a certain herb under your pillow, usually on a certain night of the year, and you dreamt of your future husband, or I'm sure wife, as the case may be. <laughs> and uh, they were used uh, for dyeing materials uh, according to the different colours of the plants. Different parts of the plant were used, roots, leaves, flowers. Then uh, they were used widely in the kitchen for flavouring, and uh, certain plants were eaten as uh, blood tonics like nettles, three meals of nettles in the spring and you are guaranteed not to have any pimples or rashes for the rest of the year. Uh, um, the main use of herbs in folklore is in folk curing and uh, there are many hundreds of different herbs used in this area. There's the slowness now. It's a, it's a rib leaf. And it grows now in a long rib leaf and there grows a blackhead on it with stalks and little seeds on it. Well, if you got a cut, I was in danger of bleeding, is it? You, you get that and you put it in boiling water and you chew it in your mouth. Chew it in your mouth, up into pressure. And you put it, spit it onto a linen bandage and you put it on the cut and stop the blood immediately. In regard to my cure, for herb, and as, as, herb, as a herbalist, that is, through my mother, I got to know about these herbs. She was a kind of a herbalist too. And that I'm getting these herbs for years from London, as I used to get them in my own country, but that they perished out 
but I'm getting them through London for the, for the purpose of curing the people of gallstones and kidney troubles and various other troubles, stomach troubles as well. These are the herbs that are good for their pottage. Liverwort, mallows, violets, lettuce, patience, but lettuce especially good for sufferers from hectic fever, as they needed to make them sleep. In this sickness, the following are good. Maidenhair, mint, politricum, together with licorice and mallow flowers, also roses along with large cold seeds and sugar. Rub salt and vinegar to his veins and feet, wash them with sally and vine leaves. The use of herbs in medicine goes back to the earliest recorded times. The Irish Druids relied heavily on them, and in early Irish literature one of the doctors of the legendary Thuha de Danon is said to have revived his warriors for battle and healed their wounds in a bath of herbs. The excerpt we've just heard is from Rosa Anglica, a medieval textbook in Latin by John of Gaddesdon, translated into early modern Irish around the year 1460, but, strangely enough, not into English until 1929. Like other medieval medical works, it's full of quaint and ingenuous cures, often involving the use of herbs. Leishnaparelische Mas fede leishnaare ullingt chymiltaran bol chyn na nantio gregach agus da haiden talun malele fool agus chymiltaran bol. If the patient can endure it, rub the limb with fenugreek and ground ivy, together with urine, as the unnatural things should be drawn to dryness. So things roasted with spices are good for them, and let them consume but little food and drink for the space of six days. Then take calamint and camphor, sage, onions, wild sage, avens, primrose, ground ivy, plenty of them, bruise them and add gander's lard and that of a dog and a black cat, pepper three and a half. Then place them in the belly of a black cat, having removed the innards and its skin from it. Roast the whole and remove the juice that comes out of it in this way and rub it on the sick limb. The comfort derived therefrom is marvellous and the ointment is named after the cat. What was the official if unsophisticated medicine of an earlier age has often survived in the folk cure and many of the practices and beliefs still found in the Irish countryside are no less extraordinary than those of the medieval herbalists. This cure for the foot rot in cattle and sheep, for example, from County Leitrim. I uh, offered this cure in one of the saints to cure it. For such a man's beast, that's naming who owns the beast, do you see? Mm-hmm. Or the colour of it. To cure the foot rot. Would you have to see it? You have, the you have to, to see it. But would you have the animal beside you when you're no. doing it? No, you needn't have be, the animal. It would be in America. Yes. Well, uh, then you cut tin herbs, tin dandelions, with a black handle knife, and just lay them where they're cut. Nine of them. Lay them where you cut them. Bring away the tint one. And send it to the man that has the animals with the foot rot and he rubs it down, not up, round about. And rub it in the hills where it's taken and bury it. And all's over. That's the cure. Many of the herbal cures are, of course, much less mystical than that. Indeed, the use of herbs in folk medicine is often quite rational and based on sound traditional wisdom. A Sligo doctor. On Inishmurray, uh, they were used by 
very famous character in Ishmurri, Crimley. His real name was Hart. Now, he used a dressing for burns. It was a green alga, freshwater alga. And when it was applied, it uh, formed an adhesive, occlusive dressing. Now, it functioned just in the same way as the preparation known as Tanifax, which was a preparation of tannic acid and was the standard treatment for burdens between about 1930 and 1950. Uh, he had been using his herb, which he called Conur, a name that has given some difficulty in tracing. You've never it's found out what the, the English, the English name is. Yes, but I, we have somebody at the Botanic Gardens onto it at the moment. We hope to find it. Now, the other thing that I saw him use, he was really a practitioner rather than a, one of the people that used cures for everything. He, he worked intelligently at his, his surgery or his medicine. I, I saw him use pounded comfrey to make a cast for a fractured patella, a fractured kneecap. He had several young boys with stones pounded the comfrey and then he worked it into a mass and applied it and it dried out as a nice, resilient but quite effective cast. And was there anything, you think, in the comfrey itself that was good for the complaint? I don't think so. I think he was using it just physically as you do pl plaster Paris. Mm. And it what has that, that quality? It has that quality, yeah, only when pounded. Mm. Yes. And comfrey now is a herb that's used for God knows how many things. In England, they make tea out of its leaves and they drink it and they take it as a, um, an internal medicine and they apply it here, there, but I never heard of anybody using it to make a plaster except Dominic. Then there was another herb on the corner of the comfrey. It's, it's grown up together there. It, it grows that height and a purple blossom on it. Comfrey, and if you had a broken bone or uh, any part of your bone is broke, you go up and you dig up the comfrey, and when you dig it up, it's like a mangle root. And you see the oil running out of the root. And you, you take and you pound at it between two big stones. And you put it on the, where the bone is supposed to be broke, or where your, your shin bone, if you've got a bad knock or a bad foot. And put it on that, and in three weeks, it'll knit the bone together. The comfrey root. Another cure for burns, different from that mentioned earlier from Inish Murray, comes from Mrs A.J. Gillespie from Crossnown, County Roscommon. It's an ointment that's made up with an herb called fogrum, and I boil that with beeswax and lard till it goes quite crisp, and then I strain it into a jar, and it sets like an ointment, and that's supposed to be applied to a burden twice a day on a linen. And it has never failed. It's in the family for over 200 years. And it's, it has gone all over the countryside. Do a lot of people come to with yes. burns? <clears throat> yes. People come at all hours of the day and night and sometimes I have to dress the wounds and some people come in a state of shock and I usually give them a cup of tea. And, and it has never failed in all my lifetime. They'd come to you immediately to get the burn? yes. Would it not take you then a long time to make up this? Well, ointment? I usually make about uh, 14 pounds of it in the month of May. That's supposed to be the month to, that the herb is at its best. And I make about 14 pounds of it then, and that 
tides me over the winter. I'm hardly ever stuck for it. It's no coincidence that Mrs Gillespie makes her herbal ointment in May, because the gathering of herbs has always been associated with certain dates. There were certain days for collecting the herbs. Uh, Some herbs had to be collected on May morning, and uh, sometimes the herb just had to be picked in the morning or, more precisely, before sunrise. Um, Another day for picking herbs was... uh, the St John's Eve midsummer, and uh, they were often used for protective purposes at this time of the year. If we take uh, an example, the dandelion, we can see uh, there's a large number of cures uh, taken from it. Different parts of the plant were used. The uh, juice from the dandelion or the milk was uh, put on warts in order to cure them. Usually you had to do this uh, for nine consecutive mornings. and Sometimes you had to even fast before you did this, which brings in some sort of purification before this act. Um, Dandelions were also used as a blood tonic. The, The roots were boiled and the liquid was then taken in the morning. Um, The milk was used as well as a cure for yellow jaundice and uh, the roots were boiled for liver, kidney troubles. The leaves then were used for sick stomach. A wine glass of the liquid was taken every morning and uh, some people used the juice of dandelions to put on cuts in order to heal them. Uh, It's interesting that uh, there is a drug which is taken from the roots of dandelions which is used in modern medicine uh, for liver complaints and uh, as a blood tonic. It's a drug known as taraxicum. We've gathered the flowers and made wine. Um, That has to be done when, Annette? You have to gather the flowers. Yeah, round about June, they, they say the flowers are the best for then. Um, and that's a, a very simple process, just a question of, of gathering the flowers and then fermenting them in a bucket and then transferring that and letting it ferment away for, for a few months and bottling it. Um, that makes a beautiful drink. It's similar to white wine. And I have read that it's supposed to be a cure for arthritis and rheumatoid conditions in your joints. Um, we've also gathered the leaves in spring when there's been no other green stuff for salads. Um, if you mix it with a bit of cabbage, it it makes um, a nice sort of bitter contrast to the cabbage. And we have also dug up the root and dried that off in the oven slowly and tried to roast it to make the dandelion coffee. Um, which well, that's something that may become more popular. Well, I'd say, I'd say it could well, yes, in the times of this um, rising the price crisis, of coffee, yes. Yeah. Um, what about lint seed or flax seed? Yes, we've we tried that and we still use that. We found that to be um, very good, especially with children. Um, that is just a, a matter of boiling up the flax seed for about half an hour, simmering it gently and then you get a thick gelatinous mass which you have to thin with more water and then uh, a wine glass dose of that 
twice or three times a day, certainly one before bedtime. seems to um, loosen up colds and coughs. The flax, of course, is not grown around here anymore. Ah, uh, no, no, we have to buy this in Dublin. We haven't found a local source for flax yet. Howard Preston is a young Englishman who, with his wife and family, has settled in Canoe Derry near Crossna and Roscommon. He makes a living growing and selling vegetables, and from vegetables to herbs was, he says, a natural progression. We've been interested in growing our own food, and uh, an interest in herbs comes off growing your own food for culinary use and once you get interested in the herbs for culinary use then um, I suppose you the next extension is to get interested in the medicinal use um, and so we've we've grown herbs and we've used wild herbs you know on a small extent for for our own medicinal things like we mentioned the peppermint tea which is very good for upset stomachs and that comes from the lake shores here um, we use we have used yarrow and elderflower too in cold cures. Um, we mentioned the flaxseed; that's another good one for colds. But uh, we haven't actually tried growing herbs specifically for medicinal use and building up our own medicine chest. We haven't got that far yet. We've enough things to do with the other vegetables, you know. Well, you use the herbs in cooking, do you? Well, we grow. The basic culinary herbs, we grow thyme, sage, chives, oh, various ones like that. Yes, I use them a lot, in fact. I think they give a great flavour in food, as long as you don't overdo it. Yeah. Garlic is, is, I suppose, we're just about crawling to the heading of herbs. I mean, that, that is one we do grow with, with a lot of interest, and we do use a lot of garlic, too. And, and garlic is, is, uh, is known from way back to have a lot of medicinal properties. It's, a, it's an antiseptic uh, and uh, it's supposed to be bactericidal and, you know, the old thing about wearing garlic around your neck in a sock or some other concoction which is supposed to keep away colds. And I, There's definitely something in, in the garlic. Well, I gather it does, in fact, keep away all sorts of things. Insects too. Green fly, I think, or, or is it? Um, well, Used in that way? There is, there is a school of thought about um, growing herbs and other plants alongside vegetables. Um, I can't remember. that There are one or two now. Leeks are supposed to keep away carrot fly uh, and garlic, any of the onion family. Um, but we've tried that and it doesn't work. I mean, not for <laughs> carrots. The carrot fly here just you know, takes, takes no notice. Some people discover herbs and the herb mystique on their own. Others, like Sean Boylan of Dunboyne near Dublin, might be said, literally, to have herbs in their blood. From the time uh, I was a child, I grew up with uh, working at herbs and uh, I live in a farm and I work on a farm and my father, he spent a lifetime working at herbs and uh, I suppose without even realising it, uh, started to gain a certain amount of knowledge about them and got to know things about them. Very often you wouldn't know the, the proper botanical names and so on, but you'd, you'd know whether what a thing was good for, this herb might be good for one thing, one might be good for warts and something else might be good for uh, sting of a nettle and so on. That's that's really how it started. And without even realising it, I suppose, maybe it's the best way to learn, but, you know, just... Mm. Um, and they all have certain characteristics, all the herbs? Uh, they have. You know, you can say, well, now, listen... That's only a weed. I mean, a weed is something you don't want. 
if you go if you have a crop of wheat and you have potatoes growing out in them, well then the potatoes are a weed and vice versa. If it's the, a flower you know, in the wrong place, as a flower in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's that's basically <laughs> yes. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, most of the herbs are used medicinally, are they? Um, there, most of them are used medicinally. There are an awful lot of them uh, that are not. There's one thing that we can we can grow well here, and grow, you know, is, is, is plants and um, weeds of all sorts, and you know, they all have a property and they all have a they all they all have a purpose. But if it's up to sort of men themselves to find out what they are. A lot of people know these things, and a lot of them have secrets and family secrets that are handed down and are afraid to tell people and so on. This. What about yourself now? I've met people, in fact, only today I was talking to a man who says that what he has for a cure is a secret. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine there, there are, in fact, many secrets like that. Um, well, of course, when people stop, stop using, the, using the plants and, uh, you know, less, people became less aware of them and what they could do. So I suppose in that way they were nearly made a secret, but they're not really, you know. They're not really. They're all available. They're, They're all, all there. Grown. There's a purpose for them. Uh, a lot of it is you can learn about it through through tradition and so on. A lot of it you can study and learn about it that way. Well, how much of yours now is traditional and how much from books and experience? Um, it's hard to say, really. Uh, because um, what I learned uh, sort of from my father was... Uh, it, it it became indoctrinated, really. You know, you you just you you got you absorbed you it. absorbed it. You know, mm. and um, it's there. It's a foundation. Is there? These other things. You see, the more you know about something, the more you realise you don't know about it. Exactly. And you know, you're you know, you search and you're looking to find more about things. And I might know, say that a nettle or a nettle juice might be good for, uh I say good for blood troubles, for skin troubles particularly. But it's also it also contains salts that are good for say pancreas, and so on and so forth. And that's the way it goes, you know. Herbs have been used for all kinds of purposes in the past, and one peculiar use of nettles seems to have been responsible for the name Nettlemas Night, being given to the night before May Day. George McClafferty of University College Dublin. There isn't uh, a lot known about the origin of that. It was. Um they used boys anyway used to go out and sting people, and sometimes it was used. Uh, people would get nettles, and uh, a boy would sting a girl he'd fancy, and uh, this was uh, sort of showing her that he did care or was interested. Yes. But um, there, there were, were curative also... properties in the nettles too, weren't there? The nettles have uh, quite a few cures. Uh, mainly, they were used uh, in the spring as blood tonic, and. Uh, a lot of old people still uh, remember as children being given the meals of nettles in the spring, and uh, indeed there are probably still people who take them. But um, uh, the nettle roots were uh, not used in cures. Um, the leaves of the plant were uh, beaten into a pulp mixed with salt and uh, applied to uh, swollen areas in order to keep inflammation down and uh, the actual stings of the nettles were used uh, quite a lot in Ireland for curing rheumatism uh, one old lady I was talking to told me a story about her father who had very bad rheumatism and he got this cure 
uh, from an old person in the area to roll in a bed of nettles. So one morning he went out, took off all his clothes and rolled in the bed of nettles and, of course, came up in a number of blisters and he said it was very painful and that, but um, whatever acid that the nettle sting produces, it seemed to work and uh, he never suffered from rheumatism after that. A related complaint had a less drastic herbal remedy. Dr Patrick Logan. Sciatica uh, is a very, very painful disease. It starts in the small of the back and works its way down one leg usually and out through the foot. Now, the treatment of it, uh, and the earliest reference I got to this treatment was in early medieval Ireland. The seeds of uh, the honeysuckle were gathered and drank in a decoction made of them and they were drank. And this was an invaluable and infallible cure. And I'll tell you why. You had to take it for 40 days and no sciatica would ever last any longer than 40 days anyway. So, if you kept on drinking it for 40 days, the sciatica would be gone. Ergo, the seeds cured the sciatica. Well, that I thought, the fellow who thought of that one was an extremely good doctor, because when the patient complained of his pain, you would say, it'll take the 40 days. This is the cure, but it takes 40 days. And that was the cure, and no more about it. So you had to put up with it for the 40 days. Well, I don't use any herbs except the one herb. But the one herb... The one herb that I use is good for, good for four or five different complaints. And what is it? Well, no, I can't announce it on the wireless what it is. I won't announce it. It's a secret. It's a secret. No, I won't announce it. Because yeah. I said I have refused big money for it twice. To get it and I, and I, won't, I won't announce it. You're going to hold on to the secret? I'm going to hold on to that secret, yeah. But surely there's no secret about most of these herbs. They grow somewhere. They have to well, grow somewhere, know, and people know, must we, know we about know, them. We know that. We know that. But now it's something that I shouldn't be announcing that on that. Suppose I could discover a herb for cancer, which would be worth millions and millions of pounds if it could be, if it could be discovered or got, and, and it's going in the ground that people could know it. But that's the mystery... Mr. Jaman, what the herb would be, because it says in God's holy word that all herbs are grown for him for all manners of diseases. And they say that any harmful herb there is, there's another one to counteract it, is that right? Well, there could be, there could be. Well, say the, the dock and the nettle, now, you, yeah. you, that sort of thing. Nettles is the, it's the best thing in the world for your blood. It's a pure, nettles is pure for making nettles tea and I'll use it, and use it as a bishop in the springtime. It's the best thing in the world for pure. So that's for song with the world today. They've got off these old things I've used, was using in my father's and mother's time. So even in gentlemen's house, there's not a year, but they, they generally boil these hard times, uh, nettles and cheese things, and there's another thing goes along the bridge. It's what I call it. Oh, what's a nettle thing I'm talking it's a wonderful thing too there in the springtime. Dandelion. Oh, yes. A wonderful dandelion. Mm, and you can make wine out you of it as well. You can make wine out of dandelion wine, yes, and take it too. So the people, uh, 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 it's lost, but they wanted these things. You know the way if you get a reputation, say, for helping one condition, uh, it can happen to people say, so, well, maybe if you can help that, maybe you can help something else. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. It's more important, really, with, with it to realise what you can't do rather than what you can do. 
Sean Boylan must be one of the few people in Ireland who grow herbs in any sort of quantity, and he's thinking of extending the commercial aspect of his work. I suppose uh, <laughs> you get people coming to you, and uh, a lot of you see around our area, uh, there's been a lot of building, there's been a lot of drainage, the fauna changes, the flora changes. Um, sometimes you have to travel, uh, say down the west, or maybe further down along the east coast, and so on. But then the summer, say artificial manure has been used, some many weed killers has been used. Uh, it just got to the stage that to have certain things that you'd want, we had to start to grow them. At one time, herb gardens were common throughout Ireland, and even as close to Dublin as County Wicklow, many uses of herbs have been discovered recently by George McClafferty, who is doing a study of folk medicine in that county for the Folklore Department of University College Dublin. It takes in all parts of the folk medicine, um, magical cures and herbal cures, and it's confined to material taken from the manuscripts in the Department of Irish Folklore. Uh, Most of the information comes from manuscripts which were made up in the late 1930s. They were collected by school children and uh, most of the herbal cures come from this so they're probably more memories at this stage rather than being in use today although some of them still are used but are there, are there many folk cures still available around County Wicklow? Well, I have tried myself and uh, I have got uh, quite a few cures from some people. Uh, again, there is, some of the facts are not very precise. Um, the thing of repeating uh, nine times, which comes into a lot of cures, sometimes people will say repeat eight times or ten times or that this has lost its importance. Then as well as uh, repeating the uh, remedy a number of times, you have the addition of prayers onto some of them, like uh, curing a wart by rubbing with dandelion juice, first make the sign of the cross over the wart with the dandelion, or in some other cures you uh, have to finish off by saying in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Uh, these are the only prayers which uh, I have come across. There are no elaborate with prayers. There are all. elaborate p- prayers, but uh, plants don't come into them. There are uh, prayers for bleeding, and uh, prayers for toothache, and uh, there's another one for curing Saint Anthony's fire, which oddly enough is in Irish, and uh, it comes from an area near Glendalough. The man who remembered this uh, prayer knew no Irish, he just knew the sound of it and it was taken down in this way. Which uh, proves of course that they are pretty ancient Well uh, a lot of the cures would be ancient but then there are more which would uh, originate maybe from the uh, herbal books of the 18th and 19th centuries There are other things then, potatoes were used in a lot of cures, potato water for curing uh, chilblains or a potato carried in your pocket to cure rheumatism. Like, uh, they can't be any older than the 17th century. Mm -hmm. In the Irish countryside generally, the possibilities of our rich and varied flora are nowadays largely ignored. 
But in some of the Irish-speaking areas, knowledge of herbs and of their use for cures, for seasoning or for beauty treatment is still widespread. Bina McLaughlin from Mam Cross is one practitioner. I know I've stood a sore throat for years down myself. You'll say, oh, he gave me such a tablet. Well, you'll see more going out. And they'll dig this under the white flour called the coulon. And he's like a potato. And he's boiled in milk. Well, of course, this was in the early stages by the Jews called the Connemara, uh, whatever you call it, the Connemara Ron. That'd be the, the army as the they are bred in the early stages. It's pure white. It grows under a white flour. Well, that is boiled in milk and even um, a little grain of sugar. Well, they take that in spoons and spoons. It's just like a potato. And it's very, very sweet. Well, uh, then they use the little thing that grows in between the water, where you see the water dash then. It's very much like uh, that uh, fern, uh, you call it fern, but we call it rania. It's peach abyog, uh, grown, and it's, it's green. Well, they chew that and chew. This near comes out like green out of the mouth, and that brings down all the swelling. So that's whatever I used when my sore throat came. So it was gone in a few hours. <laughs> It's one of the ironies of life today that the more science and technology provide us with chemicals and antibiotics and alleged aids to living, the more people are turning to the traditional products of nature as used by an older generation. Health food shops are to be found nowadays in most cities and towns, and in one such shop in Great Strand Street, Dublin, amid the aroma of herbs and spices, John McLaughlin of Green Acres spoke of the nutritious foods around us. The basic things that we sell are whole grains, and they're completely unrefined. They're different to white flour and uh, white bread and white rice insofar as that they contain all the essential nutrients, that you don't have any of the bran removed, you don't have any of the germ removed, and they're complete, and they're uh, totally uh, there in the packet as the way they're grown. Also, a lot of them are grown organically, which they don't have any sprays or insecticides or anything like that on them. Um, Second to the beans, we sell lots of... uh, Second of the grains, we sell lots of nuts. We sell dookie beans, uh, brown lentils, butter beans, soya beans, red kidney beans. And these also are grown organically and they're found in the natural... Uh, in the, the natural way that they're found is the way they're sold. Um, also, these are, if you like, you could think of them in terms of herbs because uh, being whole foods and having no insecticides or sprays, they also have a very uh, beneficial effect on the body, medicinally speaking. Um... The other grains besides uh, rice, we've got buckwheat, we've got organic barley, we've got um, long and short grain rice, we've got three different varieties of of rice. Um, We have whole oat porridge, organic whole oats is different to speedy cook and uh, sprayed oats. Um, We also have freshly milled whole wheat flour every day. Um, It's milled downstairs and uh, it's milled in a slow fashion so that none of the, the, the... the essential chemicals or um, minerals or vitamins are removed. Um, and we also have freshly baked bread every day. And these are all whole grains. Um, now, of, of the herbs, are they used mostly for culinary purposes? No. We have a lot of herbs that we use for culinary purposes. We've got a lot of herbs down there that people make up into curry powders. We've got herbs like mugwort that people mix with rice. We then have a, a good selection of herbs like chamomile, um, oregano and uh, sarsaparilla, which are used as a medicinal uh, herbs. There's a lot more of them down there. Um, what herbs sell mostly? The herbs that sell mostly are the, the ones which are used for culinary purposes. Basically, they're the ones that sell most because people use them in stews and soups and that to flavour them. Um, Is there an increasing use of these now? Well, we have found that 
we carry a very, very large range of North American medicinal herbs, which we have dropped because people weren't buying so much. They're more or less going into the culinary herbs, like the chilli pods, the sarsaparilla, and uh, the cinnamon, and those that they use in curries and to flavour foods. And what about the ones for medicinal purposes? What's most popular there? Uh, chamomile, uh, mugworth, and um, dandelion, and dandelion root. They seem to be very, very popular. Um, because I suppose they're the most common to hear when people read herbs that are grown in Ireland, they go for those ones there. What are they used for mostly? What do they uh, cure? Dandelion is very good for the blood, extremely good for the blood. Um, comfrey uh, is another herb, that, uh, another medicinal herb that's used very much. It's used um, for healing cuts and bruises. It's also used as... Uh, oh, yeah, there's another one down there, Slippery Alum, which is a big seller that people use for stomach upsets because it's very beneficial to the intestines. With the increasing interest in herbs and health foods goes an interest in books about them, and Green Acres caters for that with a bookshop as well. How do doctors view this trend towards the natural foods and the herbal remedies? Well, there's a lot to be said for them, and they keep you away from more dangerous... Keep alcohol, or cigarettes. They keep you away from, from taking uh, too many of even our antibiotics. This is one of our greatest worries now. See, people take antibiotics for everything, and when they really need an antibiotic, they're going to be insensitive to it. So uh, uh, it would be much better that they took their health foods, and whenever an antibiotic was uh, needed, that we'd get the result that we hope from, from it. So there's a move back to the herbs and the things of nature, to a recognition that the Kalyoks of Sir Jonah Barrington and the medieval herbalists and the folk curers with the remedy in the fields about them had more real knowledge and expertise than they got credit for. The final word to John McLaughlin. I think that people uh, have come to the conclusion that, um, that pills don't have all the answers and that there's also a feeling towards going back to living more naturally and getting away from the more chemicalised form of medicine that we have. And also, the country itself is steeped in the tradition of using herbs. And people are coming back to that, to grassroots, if you can pardon the phrase. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> but they're com- yes. Yeah, they're coming back to that. And uh, they're, they're seeing that there's an awful lot in the old herbal tradition, the old ways of eating and the old ways of living. And they're going back to that, you know, as in the case of uh, alternative technology, alternative building, alternative living styles, herbals, herbal styles and... Uh, Alternative eating has a place in that just as much as anything else. And they're they're finding that's great.